Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Beyond Bound podcast. I'm Ben Phillips. I'm joined once again by our president and CEO, Jonathan Brush, and by our new video producer, Abraham Chen. Thanks for joining the podcast, guys. Does that mean you produce new videos, Abe, or you're a new video producer? I don't know. So that is a good question. That's a question for Ben. So uh... <laughs> I think if you're a new guy that produces old videos, but it works, I'm okay with that. Honestly, interpretation. So like I, I'm I'm yep, yeah, I'm open to that. But what we're talking about today is how to rest well. And this is a topic that you know that Jonathan's passionate about. It's a topic that I'm passionate about and really bad at. It's a topic that Abe actually brought up in his most recent video on the Be Unbound YouTube channel. Plug for the channel in case you're not watching, you should check out Abe's video. Um, but one of the things that's you know, obviously it's a it's a popular topic these days, especially with sort of the popularity of hustle culture, just like we talked about in the last podcast, just prioritizing rest and sort of reprioritizing rest is sort of a growing concern. And I think that's a valid thing. Um, and so I think just to kind of set the tone for this conversation, in a lot of ways, I think that there's kind of two big forces that dominate the conversation on productivity right now. One is just like I talked about kind of that hustle culture ideology of like, work 18 hours a day and hire somebody in India to do your work while you're asleep, uh, you know, maximize everything, make it, you know, produce as much as humanly possible as a single individual. Um, and sort of that's the whole goal of life. And then there's the, the flip side, um, which is sort of this group of people who really prioritize or an ideology, if you look at it that way, that really prioritizes work-life balance, it prioritizes rest. And in some cases, even more experimental ideas like a four-day work week in the office um, because sometimes they do a study and it indicates that actually productivity goes up if people work four instead of five days, things like that. Um, and so I would just love to hear from both of you guys, maybe starting with Abe. Um, when you think about these kind of two ends of the spectrum, do you think one of them is just wrong? And if not, then how do you kind of balance those two perspectives? I think that with rest... Um, the the temptation is always to go to extremes because it's always like, all right, you're working all the time and you're hustling again, like you said, Ben, you're getting that bread or uh, you are, people think that you have to go to the extreme of you're on vacation, you're not working at all, you're totally resting. Um, but I, I think that... Um, it's interesting for me, I know growing up, one thing that I personally struggled with a lot, and I still do, is time management. And it was always a question of, well, how do I use the time that I have? How do I use this, again, resource that God's given me? Um, I either spend way too much stuff on one thing. We kind of touched on this last time on the other podcast about boredom and work and procrastination. So I either work way too hard on something um, spend way too much time not resting, or I fall into this kind of, um, not apathetic, but just being very chill and not wanting to touch work. Um, and so at the end of the day, um, I think there are several things that have influenced me and taught me about rest, but yeah, rest is huge. Not just because it is about, um, you know, what we want to do or different things. At the end of the day, I think it is about work and work has different aspects to it. And work includes rest and taking care of yourself. 
Uh, you, next Ben, or did you have another question? Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Seth, we're giving you some more places to practice. So, Abe, <laughs> hey, it's interesting that you're talking about, you know, one side of this is apathetic and I'm doing nothing. And I'm sorry, I think you characterized it as super chill. And basically that was code for super unproductive. And the other side of this is sort of extreme productivity where you're working nonstop. Ben, you talked about this, you know, like in fact, you're working and you hire people in India to keep working. You're not working. So you're always producing and it's, it's, a, it's a constant stream of getting things done. Mm -hmm. uh, good many years ago, we were working on a set of content for a program that we were doing. And I actually called it discipline equals freedom. And just for the record, this was before Jocko used that phrase. And so it was, I don't, we didn't trademark it or anything, but it wasn't a takeoff. So I'm not claiming it as, as an original content here, but it wasn't a takeoff from that. But okay, the idea crazy. started with- I didn't know about that. Yeah, no, that we actually have, you, could, you could actually look at the date and then when Jocko started talking about that stuff and we were a little bit earlier. So how cool is that? But, um, but the, the premise came from this, which I started to realize that in my mind, I always characterize the perfect rest day as a day of nothing to do. So, you know, I'm very busy during the week and all these things going on. So it'd be just great to have a day of rest. But in actuality, that's not what happened because I would get to that day of rest and I'd sleep in. And then I'd get up at like 10 o'clock and then I'd kind of be dragging around and I'd drag out breakfast at 12 o'clock and then I'd kind of eat lunch and then I'd be sitting around and about five or six o'clock in the evening, I'd be like, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to do X, but now I don't have time to do X. And so then I'd stay up really late sort of compensating for that by watching a movie or something. And now I'm exhausted because I went to bed after midnight and the next day I'm back to work going, man, I'm just exhausted and, and feeling just miserable or flat or empty from that and realizing that now contrast that to a day where I decided that I was going to go canoeing. And so I got up at six o'clock in the morning and put the boat in the car and drove to the river and got in the river and floated down the river and came back. And, you know, by the time it's over, I'm exhausted physically from being out in the water and from paddling and stuff like that. And yet I'm just feel totally revived, totally, you know, stoked up and ready to go and totally energized and then feel like I've got a story and something to tell when I get into work on Monday. That all kind of, hit me subconsciously. Like I sort of knew that, but I hadn't connected the dots. And then I read this uh, long biography by Manchester about Churchill. I think it's like three volumes. And it was, by the way, it's fascinating reading. If anybody wants to, it's William Manchester's three volume biography of Churchill. And it's a really interesting look at a fascinating life. And one of the things that jumped out at me was that Churchill had this theory of rest. And his theory of rest was that rest was not inactivity. Rest was opposite activity. In other words, rest was doing activity opposite from whatever it is that you worked. So his theory would go like this. If your work is as a laborer and digging ditches, then rest for you is clearly sitting down and reading the newspaper or taking a break that way. It's a break from physical labor. That's rest. But if your rest is in Churchill's case, writing books and it's intellectual and it's knowledge-based and all those things, then for Churchill, his fullest day of rest was actually laying brick. He was a, I don't know how you call this, an amateur mason. He was actually not too bad at it. And he built all this stuff at Chadwick or Chadwell's as a state, uh, built, built walls and all these things. And so laying brick and laying block was Churchill's day of resting. So he would 
He would write for hours and hours, which for him meant dictating to a bunch of long-suffering <laughs> secretaries that never lasted very long. Um, and then he would take a break by going out and laying brick. And after he laid brick for several hours, he would be rejuvenated and rested and ready to do the next thing. And that kind of blew my mind. And I kind of thought, well, this is a total flip here because in our culture, we tend to think of rest as an activity, but yet most of us do work that's knowledge-based work. So we do knowledge-based work, and then we kind of lean into inactivity, which sometimes is knowledge-based, watching movies, that kind of thing, or something like that. And it actually, then we wonder why we're more stressed out and more worn out, when in fact, if we would think about it from a Churchillian perspective and turn around and do the opposite, activity can be rest. And that was a big paradigm shift for me to this thing now this idea that activity was rest and sort of the opposite of what i was doing the most of was a way to rejuvenate and it's really changed the way i approach rest and sort of resetting so i don't know for you guys what would be the opposite of some of the things that you do like what is the opposite what is rest for you in that sort of churchillian definition yeah i mean i think um that connects to a lot of the ideas actually we were just talking about in the last podcast about boredom even talking about, you know, what would it take to be bored? And I think in my case, just like I was talking about, it's, it likely connects back to either some type of manual labor or some type of um, activity that allows your mind space to, uh, to work and to process. Um, and when I think about rest in this way, I actually think it's interesting to um, take cues from athletes. Um, and and per- maybe this is just because it's, the way that they work and rest is uh, incredibly easy to observe. Um, but, you know, your average athlete probably doesn't train. It, it certainly doesn't train hard for more than four to six hours a day. Um, and the rest of that time that they're awake, um, they're usually engaged in a series of activities that helps them recover so that they can train more um, the next day. And so I think just like we're talking about, if, if resting uh, you know, most people think about rest as more or less being a, a couch potato or sleeping or, and those things are incredibly important. Um, or at least sleeping is, I don't know about being a couch potato. Um, but, um, but when you think about, well, how does an athlete like take up, say a professional athlete, how do they work and rest? Well, they're going to work really hard for four to six hours. And then when they rest, um, they're usually engaged in a, in a lot of active recovery or they're at the sauna or they're doing, you know, they're taking the supplements that, that really help them recover. And I think they take their rest sometimes more seriously than they take their training. Um, and that's where I think if you're, if the way you look at and define rest is basically just a form of inactivity, it may be that inactivity is deliberate, but so often that inactivity is just incidental. It just means I don't have anything to do today. But that doesn't mean that uh, it is actually the, the best way to rest. Um, and so even just talking about what is the opposite for me, um, I mean, I've talked about this on several podcasts at this point, but like a, one of the main ways that I rest is, is with jujitsu. Like I think that having that type of physical activity, I spend most of my day staring at a screen, typing on a keyboard, thinking about stuff, trying to solve problems, you know, being strategic. And there are elements of that that are in jujitsu, but the physical aspect, the part of it that mean that, that, you know, there's no screen time in jujitsu, which especially now with I work remote lacking screen time actually is I'm finding it as a really important key um, to feeling recovered is just not looking at a screen um, and doing something else. Uh, so that would be kind of, that's how I look at rest right now, but it's also something that I'm still developing and working on. I, I don't really have a system that I fully 
that, that I'm fully bought into uh, for myself with rest. But I'd be curious, Abe, what, what do you think? Totally. I 100% agree that it does touch on what we talked about last time, where um, sometimes it, this does involve uh, good procrastination. Um, I have to say, yeah, thinking about uh, an opposite for me, um, that's something that, I mean, I'm honestly like working on. And um, I've mentioned this before as well, but uh, one thing for me personally is music. Um, playing uh, the cajon, that's an instrument I have access to um, a lot. All right, like I have one uh, instead of a whole piano. But just being able to exactly not look at a screen, um, not have to worry about work, but just focusing on music and playing. Um, another thing is also uh, prioritizing fellowship with other people or just hanging out with my community locally where um, it's been a huge um, blessing. And I've seen very clearly the positive impact of setting aside time um, for me as a Christian, like especially on Sunday, like after church or um, just a, a certain day of the week to spend time with my friends or with my family. And um, again, not look at my screen, but just focus on interacting with people, you know, in real time. So uh, yeah, that's huge. I think that another thing that has influenced me a lot on rest was uh, reading an article uh, a while back from Desiring God, John Piper, talking about the theology of rest. And when I first read that, that kind of blew my mind because it was talking um, much deeper into why rest or even just sleep is a thing. Um, why do we spend a third of our lives in this kind of seemingly half dead state? Why did God create us that way? And um, one thing that the article talked about was how um, sleep or in extension, rest uh, from your work is an act of worship. You know, we have uh, God resting, and that's a thing. That's why we have uh, Sunday as Christians. But um, furthermore, we can be so caught up in work that we're so focused on doing things. We're fo so focused on ourselves and our work, essentially. And um, we are not able to basically stop and say, all right, I'm going to leave thanks to God. We are not God. God does not sleep. We need sleep. And the world, uh, by God's grace, will not fall apart while we are, um, again, unconscious for a third of our life that we are in submission to God. So I don't know if I went way too deep, <laughs> too fast, but this is something that really influenced me with how I view rest and how I try to work things out and why rest is important for me personally. That you said you went deep. I, I think that's exciting to, to do that and, and worth leaning into that a little bit. When you talk about the fact that rest reminds us that we have limitations, that may be one of the most important pieces to think about and we live in a world that doesn't want to recognize limitations and doesn't want to recognize weakness and is overcompensating for that all the time. Maybe this goes back to this idea of, we talked about in the last podcast, that 
maybe we're scared of boredom because boredom because we don't want to confront ourselves. I think we have a society that's racing, you know, nonstop towards trying to be relevant because they're terrified of the idea of having to confront what we're really what our limitations might actually be. Hmm. And yet throughout history, particularly in, in, in our religious tradition as Christians, but really you can look at this and find this as a, a truth that we would say is built in by God into all aspects of it. Uh, one of the most important things we can do as people is to understand and, and realize our limitations. Because once we understand our limitations, that makes us appreciate what we have. And it also lets us focus. You know, if you think that you're unlimited, then you can do anything, then you will try to do everything <laughs> and likely won't do any of it very well. Andy Wilson uh, wrote a book, I think it was called Death by Living. And he had a fascinating example there. He said, think about running a marathon. And this related to me, Ben often brings in examples of jujitsu. I'm a runner and a distance runner and was in college. And so running examples make lots of sense to me. And really, when you talk about long distance running, it is a physical piece, but there's a mental piece because long distance running is often a battle with pain, right? I mean, that you run a marathon and it's how you manage some of your discomfort that will make you successful. And he said, imagine running a marathon that never ended, that every time you get close to the finish line, it just kept moving. He said, the only reason that that pain makes sense is because that there is an ending. And the same thing is true of life. You know, life only makes sense if there is an ending. And so death looks very different from that perspective, right? Perspective, mm -hmm. death then makes life actually make sense because there is an ending. And now it's, you understand why you're doing these things. Rest and reminds us of our limitations. Knowing our limitations allows us to appreciate what we can do and appreciate what we can do. Let's just do those things better and to a higher level. And, and that's a really interesting theology, if you will, of rest. That rest isn't just about limitations. Rest isn't just about recreation. Rest mm -hmm. is about regaining perspective, recognizing our limitations, acknowledging and accepting the reality of those limitations, and then being able to take that newfound perspective and apply it to then do really well the things that we can do and the things that we have been given to do in the time that we have been given. So I think basically, Abe, that's to take your deep opening and to double down and <laughs> to go even deeper with it as we think about rest. Totally. I mean, <laughs> going back to a more, I call it a shallow note on this. I think that I began thinking of rest a lot more, um, really an unbound. So I remember starting out in the program, um, just being a freshie, being ready to jump in everything and do life. Um, I, I, if you've been around me, you've heard me brag about being on one of the longest in power calls ever, where it was one of the first times we stayed out for like 12 hours. I did stupid stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but I think it was just interesting looking, seeing my perspective change of, uh, starting out again, really, it really is a perspective of early on being, Hey, you know, rest is, rest is not necessary. Sleep is for the week. Sleep is kind of annoying. Uh, and, uh, sometimes it still is right. You, you have stuff you want to get done, but coming along and realizing the importance of rest, um, the necessity of rest and just seeing, I mean, just straight up, maybe I'm getting older <laughs> as a person. I'm like, yeah, I need sleep. I can't do this. So um, 
I would love to hear from you guys, especially you, Jonathan. Um, I have learned a lot um, of wisdom on rest from you. So just your perspective over the, diff- over the years of how rest has, your perspective of rest has grown. Well, I think one of the things about rest that has grown for me is the necessity of it. We talked about the limitations, but then how, what rest actually is, that it's not just inactivity, but it's sort of creativity redirected. Uh, you both talked about Ben rest is jujitsu. Uh, and so that's, that's a, a form of rest. And then, you know, a, we talked about community and hanging out with people. Uh, for me, rest has to do with wood. A lot of the time I like to work with woods. I mentioned that I live in a place where I burn wood. And so I've pretty much my entire professional career have done jobs that are very much idea, knowledge, education based and one of the things that's interesting about those jobs is they never end, that there's never really an ending. I mean, when one class comes in, we're getting ready to put the new class in. When one person learns, we're getting ready to create the thing the next thing. And so there's a there's a sort of an eternal, never-ending aspect of it. And so I own a, a bandsaw sawmill. And so there's something incredibly restful about taking a log that is a log and sawing it into boards, which are then boards. So, you know, there's a there's a start, there's a finish, and there's a completion. And there's no eternal aspect of that or an unending aspect of it. It was a log, and now it's boards. And if you want to go to the next project, you know, then we use those boards to. Recently, we built some canoes, right? I mean, it's it's a board, and then it's sawn through the table saw, and then it's steam bent, and then it's put into a form, and it becomes something else. But then it's done, and that project is finished. And so that becomes very restful. It's intriguing to me to see if you look at really high-functioning, highly successful people, how many of them are not only highly functioning, highly successful in their career, but they also had some other significant side thing that they're really good at. So we talked about Churchill. Well, Churchill is famous as a statesman, also famous as a writer, but also famous as a painter. And so for Churchill, you know, his paintings were also a form of rest. So yes, he built the walls and, and laid brick, but he also painted. And it's not, you don't have to go far to find high functioning people that have significant, you know, they're, they're really talented musicians, but they're known for something else. They're really talented artists. They're really talented. Uh, sometimes they're talented fishermen, fly fishermen, or they're craftsmen or those kinds of things. So this idea that rest can be another outlet of creativity I come from a background that's really practical and pragmatic. And so sometimes a hobby seems frivolous, but a hobby takes on a whole different perspective if it's not frivolous, but in fact, it's an act of creation that is restorative and redemptive. And that that act of creation in the hobby and that ability to gain expertise in that then makes me more able and more capable to do the other things that I think that make an impact. I don't know that I change lives by sawing round logs into flat boards, right? But I do think that that gives me perspective and rest and restoration that lets me do better at my primary job, which is where I think I have the most opportunity to change lives. So seeing rest as that essential piece and an essential thing that should not be apologized for, should not be rationalized away, but instead should be embraced and leaned into as the best way to serve somebody else and the best way to do what I'm good at that has been a long journey, but a very powerful perspective that I think has ultimately helped me do better at the things that I do. Um, whereas before it was like, oh, rest is something that I can't afford because I need to do this thing. And now it's more like rest is actually 
something that if I did it is the best thing I can do to make me better equipped to serve and help others and do this thing that I'm called to do. Absolutely. And before I uh, go back and get into that topic, I don't want anybody listening to this podcast to miss the fact that earlier when Jonathan was quoting Indy Wilson, that he had the audacity to assert that life is not about the journey, that it actually has something to do with what happens when you die or the impact of your life at the end, like that there's, like, that there's a goal. And apparently that's a, uh, that's a wild idea these days. Um, and it's not just a matter of enjoying the process. But that aside, um, yeah, I think my thoughts on rest have evolved quite a bit. And actually, Abraham, I share a lot with you in terms of where I started. Like in Unbound, it was the same thing. It was like, how can I be involved in as many things as possible? Just like you said, sleep is annoying. I'll sleep when I'm dead, et cetera, et cetera. Very unhealthy perspective <laughs> on rest. And, um, and in some ways, um, you know, that work ethic has benefited me, but in other ways it has definitely harmed me. Um, and I see the ways that it's harmed me and, and also harmed my work. And even, I think that John Piper article you're quoting is fascinating. There's also a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Um, it's pretty short, but it's really fascinating. And it's similarly, it's a theological perspective of what is rest and sort of how do you rest in a way that honors God. and in the process of reading that book, what became really apparent to me, and this was something that like I sort of knew, but once I read the book, it was crystal clear in my mind, which is just that my resistance to rest was actually radical self-reliance that was rooted in complete pride and was actually in the way of my relationship with God. It was to the point where I wasn't trusting God with my work. I wasn't trusting God with my relationships, I was, I thought I had to be in control and managing those things all the time. And it's not that, you know, once as I read that book, I'm still working on those things. I didn't magically become better at them, but I kind of identifying that problem has been really helpful for me to where, you know, th there's also been times in my life where I would kid myself and I would say, well, there's, you know, there's always more things I can do. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes it's like you've done everything you can do, accomplish something in a particular area. And the, and the next thing you can do is trust God with the outcome. Um, you can usually be pretty creative and come up with things to do. And it's like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if it's getting in the way of rest, if that's a, uh, a matter of control for you, if it's something that's getting in the way of um, a relationship with God, then I think it's unhealthy. So that's been like, that's been a huge thing. And honestly, that's been really only something that has metastasized in the last, I would say, the point where I think I feel like I'm just starting to have a healthy relationship with rest. It's not, it's not a base requirement, but that to actually view it as just like you were saying, Jonathan, rest is for the work. And also rest is an act of dependence and reliance on God, which I think keeping those two things into perspective while you work is, I mean, it's really helpful. Um, so I guess something I would also, and so like, but, but let's talk about seasons too. Because I think there's there's times in our lives where uh, maybe it's work, maybe it's family, maybe it's life in general, maybe it's everything. Um, due to circumstances outside of our control, it is very difficult to rest appropriately. Um, and so maybe starting with Abe and then and then to Jonathan, or or I could jump in in the middle if you'd rather. But um, I guess when in those times in your life where Think where life is particularly demanding. 
Um, what kind of, what is your perspective on rest? I think there's two aspects to this one. Um, you're talking about seasons and sometimes seasons force us to recognize our, um, our limitations as we've been talking about recently, I've been reading the book, Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret by, um, Levis's kids. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Howard, oh, Dr. Howard Taylor. There's a chapter in that book that talks about how Hudson Taylor, um, as this great missionary to China, one of the most influential uh, people, Christian people in Chinese history, really. Um, right before he started his more well-known China Inland Mission, he was stuck, well, <laughs> stuck in England back home for furlough for, I believe five to six years. And that was a rough time for him because uh, he was there because he needed the rest. He, he was not doing well health-wise. He was working insane hours before that at a hospital and serving the people. And so it was a rough time because he was, again, stuck home. He was trying to raise money, uh, find workers, find interest for people to go to China. Um, and he was passionate about the work, but he was stuck in that situation. But through that time, it was through this season of rest and downtime that he rediscovered what it meant to rely on the Lord and to really seek God and to say the work that's going on, especially for him being a missionary, you can't fail at God's work. And let me re just clarify that real quick. Basically he was saying that um, God's in control. It's not about how hard you work. Yes, work hard, do all for the glory of God. But at the end of the day, if you're killing yourself for something that is God's job, what are you doing? You know, that's kind of modern talk um, for that. And so that was huge for me, just seeing, again, reminding myself, you do the work, but the results are up to the Lord. And um, in these seasons where we are forced to be kind of in a slump, um, we need to recognize, well, what are we doing? Um, is our work as much as our rest and active worship and submission to God is our pride taking over. Um, the other aspect on this real quick is like you're saying, when life is insanely busy, how do we find time to rest in that? And that honestly, again, has been something that I still struggle with totally. Uh, I'm still trying to learn this. Um, but I think Something that Jonathan, you've taught me uh, is one, like you talked about restful work, being aware of when and what you do, um, like when you need to rest, and also recognizing that, um, yeah, you know, you can be creative even in resting. You can still keep yourself sharp even in these, uh, in these crazy times, and having that mindset of prioritizing work, you know. And another thing Jonathan taught me, just knowing what's going on, knowing the problem is a huge step, you know, in, in going in the right direction. So I think for me, knowing that I am in a busy season um, for me now sets me up where I need to be like, okay, I need to start setting up uh, basically our posts and being like, all right, having my friends <laughs> remind me to rest, setting up times to uh 
to like block out time to rest or blocking out time to hang out with people or just being very intentional um, about when I'm resting or what I'm doing. So uh, it's super easy. I'm sure all of you, especially Ben, since we're in similar fields, when you're working on a project, it's super easy just to go into overtime. Um, it's not it, our line of work. We don't have the whole like nine to five mentality. So um, I think it's been big for me, at least just to say, all right, what am I doing? All right. Well, if I'm doing this much, am I able to uh, do as much as I can, but then find time and make sure I'm guarding myself to rest? If the question is how to adjust for seasons of rest, maybe the most important answer is to realize that there are seasons. Hmm. And that's something that often is hard to remember. It's a hard perspective. You think this is things going to last forever. Uh, the three of us have a unique shared sort of season of busyness uh, where we do Apex every year, which is our national conference. And it is an intense, basically week. If you are on the group of team that's putting together, it's it's not just a week. It's a, a several you know months of preparation. And then it gets more and more intense as it gets in there. And then it's a very intense two weeks, typically, uh, of getting in and making the whole thing work. And it is a time where there's not much rest. I mean, m much less sleep than certainly I'm accustomed to getting as I've gotten older, right? And so there's lots less sleep. There's much more intensity. There's a lot more physical intensity. Uh, there's a lot more uh, emotional intensity. Everything is fast and everything's intense and everything takes a lot of energy. And yeah, boy, if you think about doing Apex for four weeks, it would be completely unsustainable, but it's a season. And, and in this case, it's a short season, so it's easy. So nobody minds trading off some sleep and nobody minds trading off some rest because we know that it's only going to last for so long. So I think anytime you enter this period where you're like that, the, the best way to balance rest is to know when that season is going to end. And if you don't have a definition of where it's going to end, that may be more important than any productivity you're doing. Make sure that you know how long the season lasts. Then and only then can you appropriately meter out the time and energy you put into it. So I don't mind at all sleeping only four or five, six hours a night or less for Apex if I know it's only going to last a week. Uh, I mind terrifically doing that if I think that I'm going to do something that goes for three months. That's obviously unsustainable. And you guys are good examples because both Ben and Abe have been to Apex and slept considerably less than three hours a night and have absolutely worked themselves to exhaustion. And from a leadership position, this perspective, this is where it's really important. Because I think I had conversations with both of you and said, I understand what you've done. You've done some really awesome things here. Because I want you to come back and do it again, you can't do it like this ever again, right? I mean, like you can't you can't try to do what you've done on two hours of sleep at night because you're miserable and you'll never want to come back and do this. You have to balance in more rest so that this is sustainable for a longer period of time. Then the last thing I'd add about how to balance those seasons of rest is just that even in those intense seasons, it's still worth the discipline of working some rest in. Even when I'm at, so, so one of my primary ways to rest is to read at night before I go to bed, uh, ideally two hours if it's, I'm a normal sort of living situation, uh, but often I'm not. And so it's less time than that to read something. And even at Apex, where I might only be sleeping four hours a night, I will sometimes stumble back to my room at 1 2 o'clock in the morning and still read a chapter of whatever I'm reading before I go to bed, just as an act of discipline, uh, which sounds crazy. It seems like it'd be better to trade that 15 minutes for sleep. 
And yet, I think that there's something about regaining perspective of something about sort of that creative Churchillian type rest, but also just this reminder that this is important. And even in this crazy time, I'm still taking a few minutes to really reset and rest in some way. And I think that that's really essential to giving you the ability and energy to perspective to keep going forward and do whatever it is you're doing well. Absolutely. It's um, it's funny you bring up Apex because I also remember too, even just that experience that I had, I think, and this is, you know, I, we're talking horror stories now. Apex is, uh, but <laughs> I think I slept 18 hours that entire week, like yeah. over the course of five or six days, it was 18 hours. Um, 2016, right? Yeah, in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember it was one of those. And then things. Abe came along and did it and slept 18 hours in 2017, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we cured bed and then immediately afflicted Abe. So, yeah. We, we, exactly. Well, yeah. and part of that, too, it was like, I just remember, I just simply remember it being one of those things where it's like, I thought I could do all of it. It was one of those, because I didn't realize how big the job was. And then after that year, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I understand what it takes to actually do all of these things. And now I, I have like an opinion about how many people should be in. But before that point, I didn't even have an I didn't have an opinion. I had no idea. So I was like, well, let's give it a shot. And uh and, well, and these are these are success stories because you guys are still here. We've had somebody else that did a similar job, but he's not here anymore. <laughs> so Cameron, <laughs> we're sorry we learned these we learned these lessons late. Um, but we know we know we burned you out because we got you even less sleep. And he said, No, I'm not ever never never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's funny too though, because it I, I feel to me it feels absurd to talk about seasons of life because if you go ask some guys at a rural feed store I used to talk to, they'd still say that I was a baby. I've, I've been through like one whole season of life. So, you know, but what Same. I can't, <laughs> well, yeah, what I can speak to though. So uh, Jonathan, your perspective on this is obviously incredibly helpful and insightful, but what I can speak to on this particular question is just this idea that, um, I, I mean, I'll even look at it in terms of days. Literally, as recently as my last job, I would show up every day and I would give 110% every single day. And I realized that it was just not sustainable because then it would get to the place where in kind of the ebb and flow of the business, we'd get to a position where I, it, I needed to have some extra creativity. I needed to put in a few more hours. And I was like, well, literally, my day job right now is, you know, however many hours and like like full effort beyond full effort mm. and so the second that you know i needed to be able to step up and provide more for the team i wasn't able to and that was a huge lesson for me just in pacing myself even on a day-to-day -day basis is just kind of approximating and again this isn't about being lazy or apathetic but just kind of approximating like how much how much effort do i need to give today and and even just thinking ahead a little bit you know, how much like is next week going to be really demanding? Do I need to think that through, you know, and, and just like even just thinking in those terms has been incredibly helpful. So even thinking about seasons of life that way, because what I don't want to have happen is in 10 years, you know, maybe there's going to be a, a year of my life that's crazy. But because I've been living this crazy life all the way up to that point, I have nothing in the gas tank when that time comes. Right. And so I'll go ahead. Well, I was going to say, there's very, there's very, it's very frustrating because I think a culture demands that you live at this 90, you know, there's, and there's this now this kind of this hustle culture that, you know, you're lazy if you don't. And, 
And yet, if, if we just put it into another context, we can see the extreme absurdity of this. And let's go back to our marathon. So let's say that life is a marathon. And yes, there is a finish line. And we said say that already. So and let's decide that you were a great athlete and you decided to run that marathon by sprinting the first five miles. And you set a record for the first mile of a record. And then you set a second record and you set a third record and you set a fourth record and you set a, set a fifth record. And then you collapsed and fell out of the race. The records don't count. You, you don't get you don't get the record for the fastest mile run in a marathon if you don't finish the daggone marathon. Uh, you had to finish it for that record to count. So if you come out and sprint the first five miles, anybody who's you don't even have to be an athlete and certainly not a distance runner to know that's a dumb way to finish a marathon. That you really need to be able to if you're going to sprint or anything, sprint the last mile. But you really need to carefully steward your resources and your energy and keep it for that long period in the middle and that hill that's coming up and that killer 20th mile or whatever it is that you know for this coming up. And yet we take and again, you don't have to be a runner. You don't have to be an athlete to see that that's an absurd thing to come out and sprint five miles. And yet typically and, and for young people, especially we say start sprinting, hit the deck running, go to college, never stop get the best grades possible, go to master's, get the best grades possible, come out and work, prove yourself, work, 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 work. And then we all sit there and go, man, isn't it awful that these people have these midlife crises and do really stupid things and get themselves addicted and have problems and make stupid life decisions and, and burn out and crash. And, and we're like, whoa, that's just shocking. Really? You think it's shocking? Somebody sprints five miles, collapses on mile six in a marathon. Um, and so, and then, but, but we turn around and everywhere from work to everything else, we don't want to give permission to people. Um, now, this is just a crazy conversation because I've had serious work-related arguments with both of these individuals on this subject, and it's always like, take some time off. <laughs> you know, like, like, I'm always arguing with both Abe and Ben. Hey, relax a little. You don't have to do something. This let's just let's go for the long haul. Let's go. And, and generally, they're like, no, we can sprint. We can sprint. Um, but again, it's just to... to I, there's this disdain for rest in some areas of our culture and yet another is we want to rest and be apathetic. So it's almost there's this celebration of apatheticness. You know, let's get plugged into social media, fry our brains and do nothing. That's celebrated. Or let's go to hustle culture. That's like the other extreme. And there's absolutely no space for sort of this sane, realistic, Abe, you would say, and I would agree, theologically grounded idea that let's let's shoot for the finish line. Let's let's understand what our bigger goal is here. And then let's plan and 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 do that and that's going to involve some real rest it is like they take away go ahead sorry oh no i was just going to point out briefly it is ironic for abe and i to be on this podcast being like rest right. is important rest rest, rest, rest. <laughs> anybody that knows us knows that this whole thing is a lie but go ahead, this, is, this is this is our <laughs> podcast but this is also the uh you know, we're talking about so you can definitely see us it's like it's like the drug addict telling you not to do cocaine so seriously yeah. i mean i was telling ben and Jonathan before, right before we started recording that, hey, I'm here to learn, okay? Like, <laughs> this is something I bring up because I need to learn this. You know, it's the whole- like I'm a public rehab. Exactly. Like, I need to, I'm a communication major because I can't communicate with people. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm here to learn. But I think a huge takeaway, just listening to you, everything is, uh, one, uh, being intentional, which I think is such a theme of being unbound or in the unbound program is just not going with the flow, being very intentional about everything. But uh, the second thing, which is huge, is something I'm really trying to just go before Jesus and learn, uh, which is humility and 
knowing my limitations and knowing that, um, yeah, I can't do things. I can't um, sprint all the way because uh, like you were saying, Jonathan, it's, it's very true. Uh, yeah, I'm very grateful that we've had those conversations like not years ago, but both Ben and I have definitely gotten the talk from Jonathan <laughs> being <laughs> little kids and saying, okay, stop. Uh, okay. Okay. Sorry. But, <laughs> um, there's, a, there's always this scarcity thing. Like if, if you say no, it's not going to work. And Abe, you mm-hmm. an interesting example. I mean, there've been a couple of times in the last several years we've asked you to do projects and you said, I can't do it. And I remember thinking, this is this is my indication that I really want Abe to do it because he now knows what he's doing, you know. And 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 so that project we had to pass on, we had to adjust, and yet that increased my interest in coming back and having you do the next project because to me that was an indicator that you had really reached a level of expertise. And so that if you're listening to this, just know that there's this sort of FOMO, fear of missing out. If I say no, it'll never come again. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Uh, I would say from a faith perspective that it's not possible if it's something you should do, that God will, you know, even if you make the wrong decision, bring that back around. Uh, but it, it worked the other way in, in these cases. I've had both Ben and Abe turn down projects at various times because they were too busy, knew they couldn't do them well, which absolutely increased my respect for them and my opinion of their professional ability and made me more interested in getting them to do it the next round, but just ask them earlier. <laughs> so we get them scheduled. Uh, and so, so that, that's a, that's an interesting thing too, where, you know, knowing your limitations and again, budgeting for the longer endurance and having the right rest in there ends up creating more opportunities, not less, which seems counterintuitive. Totally. I just think that again, um, very grateful uh, to Jonathan and um, to so many of the other people in the Unbound team who have both like actively and even on kind of like not like indirectly mentored me in these areas sometimes, because I think just going back to humility um, there, I think I've, you know, not in a prideful way at all, but basically I've been around and totally crashed uh, enough times to know that, yeah, I I can't do it. (laughs) There's so many times where you're just half dead uh, you know, four in the morning sitting in front of a project and you're like, what am I doing with life? Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's when you appreciate, uh, the people talking to you about rest and recognizing again, that you're limited and that you need rest and that, um, you know, you, it's not just about not doing something, but really saying, all right, you know, again, am I using my resources in a wise way that eventually at the end of the day glorifies God? So. And then just to come crashing in here with a crack addict pro tip is if somebody pitches you a project that you really don't have time for, then you should quote them a price basically based on what sleep is worth to you right now. Say you literally don't have the time. Then you say, well, like how many hours of sleep do I give up for this project? How much is that sleep worth to me? And then give them an insane quote. And if they say yes, then you make a ton of money. You lose a little bit of sleep, but you make a ton of money. Um, but more than likely, they'll say no, they'll say no and, uh, and you'll get your sleep and you'll rest up just fine. So um, exactly. that's another way. Wise words. <laughs> um, but also speaking of all of this, kind of on the flip side from everything we've just been discussing, um, maybe starting with Jonathan this time, but like how do you 
tell the difference between rest and apathy? We've touched on this in a couple of different ways, but maybe a little bit more directly. Like a lot of things, this comes down to what is the goal? Like what, what is it? Have you taken the time to reflect and realize what you're doing? So if you, are you resting? And maybe, maybe my best, the opening example I used, right? Uh, the best thing I have is a day to do nothing. And then I have a day of doing nothing. And it really becomes a day of apathy because it's a day that's really wasted. And it's, and it's wasted, not because I had to, you know, maybe I needed rest. Maybe I need to physically uh, rest. I just had this conversation with somebody recently and I said, there's a big difference. Uh, I asked them what they were doing and they were kind of giving this little sheepish look and said, well, you know, I slept in really late and I've kind of been doing nothing. And, and, you know, I kind of, I said, well, there's a big difference between doing that accidentally and doing that on purpose. You know, if you say, oh, I've been physically working like crazy and I'm exhausted and tired. And this Saturday I'm going to sleep into whatever, get up, watch Netflix. There's a, there's a, a non-negative <laughs> um, watch Netflix and then, you know, watch a movie and go to bed. And you do that deliberately. That may be a real day of rest. Uh, it's when you do it accidentally that you end up feeling empty and kind of hollowed out from that. And it's not really rest. So maybe the difference between rest and apathy is purpose. If you understand it as rest and you're deliberately doing it and it's because you're doing it to prepare for or get ready for something else, that's really helpful, really regenerative, restorative rest. If you're just kind of it's a lack of activity, and you're not sure why that's typically apathy and apathy becomes corrosive and both addictive. It, it can lead you to, and, and it empties you out, hollows you out in ways that are not very healthy. So, so just being able to gain enough perspective to understand why you have a lack of activity. If it's for rest, great. If it's, you don't know why, not so great. Probably need to figure that out. Can I just say that um, I love that. And um, just, again, just the purpose thing um, where, I, I touched on this in the video a little bit, but basically wh where I got that from is from Jonathan and all these wise people. Basically, the whole idea of purpose. Um, if you're working hard and you know that you need this time to do something late at night and you're intentional about sleeping in the other day, do that because you're being intentional and you know that you um, are using time well. And um, there, yeah, there's times when, yeah, like, there's the, um, I don't know, because uh, I also want to just make sure that we mention how uh, rest can be creative and there are those creative outlets like Benda's Jiu-Jitsu or there's uh, canoeing and or art and all these things. And it sounds very cool and like artsy and right, all that's all those things. But sometimes, yes, rest is just a day when you sleep in. Plan a day when you sleep in and kind of do nothing. Again, if it's intentional that's good. Um, I don't want to discount because I felt like low-key guilty again, dealing with all that, um, the hustle culture of, ah, I'm not doing anything. This just feels wrong. Again, if it's accidental, it feels way worse. Um, I've been there as well. But if it's intentional to mentally learn to say, I am resting, I will not touch work, I will not um, get myself basically sinfully uh, guilty, you know, kind of guilt trip myself in the wrong way uh, and instead focus on renewing and resting. Yeah. That, that deliberateness can also increase the quality of your rest too. So we've picked on Netflix a lot, but I almost never have time to watch TV, nor am I particularly interested in it, like watch shows or anything of that nature. I'll watch some movies occasionally, 
However, the exception is every week we typically take a family vacation to the beach. It is a vacation that is the least active of the things, the vacations that we take. It's it's more just kind of sitting around, you know, playing games with family and doing those kinds of things. And I always find one show to binge watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime, or whatever, while I'm at the beach. That's probably the only show I'll watch all year. Um, but it's deliberate. It's there. And I get an extreme enjoyment of that, right? You know, instead, instead of feeling hollowed out and empty about it, uh, I, I, I really, really like it, but it's, it's sort of planned. It's deliberate. Like I know it and it's for a reason. And I don't mind the fact that I'm sleeping in late and I'm staying up late to do it. Uh, and so there, it makes it, you can increase the quality of that kind of dead time when you make it deliberate. So we interrupted you, Ben, go ahead. No, no, no. Just that, just that little anecdote just made me imagine you, Jonathan, on the beach creating a fresh Gmail account so you get another 30 day free trial <laughs> <laughs> so that every year you just binge Netflix uh, for free. I mean, that sounds, that's an entertainment hack right there is what that yeah, is. If, if you only do it once a year, you basically it runs around and you can get it free for a long time. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that just like we've been talking about that intentionality is key. And in fact, when I think about it's sort of analogous to that is how I think about uh, diet is like if if it's the weekend and I'm going to go hang out with my friends and basically eat a bunch of things that are not very healthy, I can accept that. And then I make a plan for, well, tomorrow, I'm just going to make sure the calories stay down. It's going to be healthy. It's going to be clean in these ways. And when I, that's been the most sustainable way because it doesn't involve sort of rejecting um, um, hanging out with my friends. It doesn't involve being really strict. It just involves being intentional. And so it's like, it really has more to do with dosage and like actually handling it. So I think rest could be kind of similar. It's like, are there superior and inferior ways to rest? Yeah. But if you're managing and you're being really intentional with how and when you're doing certain types of rest, um, then I think you know, you're not going to regret it. And that's typically the, the indicator for me is if I get to the end of a day or like a vacation day and I'm like, man, I wasted that, then that's usually an indicator that I didn't have a purpose going into it. And that's where I went wrong. Um, so last question here, this has been a great discussion, but last question here is, um, and this can be a can of worms, is is there a way to develop self-awareness about our own personal needs for rest? Yeah, there's two ways to do it. The first one is to crash, burn, and explode. That's what I, I do. mean. Yeah. <laughs> David, I just raised my hand. That's, well, that's I, could, right there. <laughs> I could absolutely raise my hand on this as well. But I, I was just talking to a very, very successful young entrepreneur recently. And she mentioned in the course of the conversation uh, about having a basically a, a physical, mental kind of breakdown that required some rehabilitation and some reestablishment of some practice of rest and relationships and things like that. And I'd like to tell you that that was surprising to me. And yet I would have been surprised if that story was not present. And so I, I think this goes back to what Abe was talking about with this deep theological grounding. You know, rest is a commandment. <laughs> it's built into the order of the universe. It's in the nature of things. We live in a world that requires it. And it's like gravity. If you're not going to build it in, it will still come. It's, it's, it's more of a question of how destructive do you want that to be? You will hit a point of exhaustion. You'll destroy your health. You'll destroy relationships. You'll destroy your uh, mental abilities uh, until you get to the point where you rest. And so you can do it that way. That, that's a pretty tried and true and uh, you know certainly proven way to do it. Uh, or you can do it the other way, which is to ask the question and be deliberate about it. 
And when you ask the question, be deliberate about it, doesn't mean you have to completely re-engineer your life overnight. Although maybe if you're on the brink of having a collapse, you should maybe ought to do that. But this idea of Sabbath, you know, that once every seven days, we take a significant time to rest. Uh, it's pretty powerful. Not real original to us. <laughs> Been around for a pretty long time. Uh, came up with and authored by the person that put the whole thing together in the first place. And uh, if you're looking for a place to start uh, and want to develop some self-awareness of that, I would say start with this idea of Sabbath at least once every seven days, uh, deliberately rest, and then think of rest in this Churchillian mindset, which is rest being the opposite of whatever you're doing. And then think of rest as being deliberate. Uh, so you don't have that hollowed out feeling that you wasted a day, but instead you deliberately do that. And if that means that you're deliberately going to binge watch something every seventh day, or you're going to deliberately sleep 12 hours or whatever it is, that's fine. The difference is, is it deliberate? Now, if you deliberately do that, I suspect you're going to get to healthy rest and whatever that looks like in your life. If you do not deliberately do that, you will get to rest in a very unhealthy process. Any thoughts, Dave? That was a mic drop. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I'm here taking notes. I'm like, yeah, I, I need to hear this again. So, <laughs> Not a problem. I think um, it, it, I, I agree with all of that. I would also just tack on, and, and again, just kind of talking from personal experience, because this isn't necessarily something I've studied, but it's something I've experienced. And it's where I've realized, so here's a good example. This is a small example, but it's a good one. It's like, I've come to pick up on when so i've i've gone somewhere and i drive home and i park my car in the lot because i live in an apartment i park the car in the lot and then i proceed to scroll through instagram in my car for half an hour <laughs> and usually if i'm doing that that means that i have worked myself down to the point where i don't even have the willpower to want to get out of the car to walk back into my apartment mm -hmm. and that's if that happens i know that i was driving the race car and i just hit the railing and I, it took me, honestly, it took me probably like six months to like pick up on that behavior where it's like, oh, wait, like clearly I've like one in one way or another, I mean, maybe my social energy is depleted, maybe my physical energy, maybe my creative energy. Um, it's just, uh, it's not there. I've, I, I need to rest one way or the other. So like something, things as simple as that for me become indicators um, for when I need to rest. And then I tried, and then lately I've been trying to work backwards from there. Of like, are there other indicators before that that can help me kind of see like, oh, like maybe like I need to rest soon. Maybe I could plan that a couple of days in advance and not just, uh, and not just crash into the wall, just like David and I were talking about, which is what we do because we're not that smart. <laughs> so, uh, so there's an important indicator. So Abe, as coworkers, you occasionally see Ben at live events and stuff like that. And we just heard Ben's way of resting is jujitsu. So if you and I see Ben spending too much time on Instagram, at one of these events, we should walk careful because the takedown is coming, right? Like <laughs> we might be, we might be the next target. So that's a, that's a helpful instinct for the next time we have an intense event like apex. I'm going to, I'm going to monitor Ben's Instagram intake. And if it starts to get high, <laughs> I'm going to walking careful. So I thought you were going to say attack Ben. I mean, that was all. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe the two of us together. So if that, if that happens, that, you know, we can teach we can like preemptively attack. It'll be a, it'll be a good strategic move. Yeah. If we see Ben on Instagram and you know, we see him liking everything. Like, okay. We sit there time and it's like 10, 11. No, it's good. Dude. 15, 16, go down, go down, take him down, take him down. So.
Exactly. I'm going to be sending Megan reimbursements and she's going to be like, this is really expensive. What, th- what is this for? I'm saying well, that, that was for the WW ring. Rent. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Unbound but, rumble. <laughs> there you go. Pretty soon coming to apex, the, uh, the fight sport <laughs> championship of unbound. Um, well, uh, like I said, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I appreciate both of your time um, and, uh, and your wisdom and, um, and yeah, I hope that you guys listening to this have enjoyed it. As always, if you have thoughts, feedback, questions, you just want to reach out and talk to us, you can always email podcast at beyondbound.us. Um, so thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>